Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of Encouragement with Pastor Jamie Lingerfeld and myself, his co-host, Angela Lingerfeld. <laughs> Your pastor took my message, so I'm just going to kind of finish off of it. Honestly, I, I, it's in, I didn't even grab my tablet because it's on there. But as I was sitting in my driveway asking the Lord, I asked the Lord to speak through servants listening, what is it that you want me to say? That same scripture in Hebrews came to me. To stay focused, Pastor Colby, it was, it was the same exact, I read it this morning in the bathroom, just to be sure it was in my mind and heart again. But, you know, one of the things I see the enemy doing in this season, I'm just speaking prophetically, that's, that's causing people to, to fall into sins. Um, first off, you run your race for one person, that's Jesus, for an audience of one. The foundation of all running and all things in the kingdom start out with a personal walk with God. Not just in a church service, because really worship, corporate worship is a small part of the Christian's life. It's a very important part, just like fellowship is, and sometimes fellowship doesn't take place during times of instruction and ministry. So fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ is very important. But the majority of your Christian life should be you spending time alone with God. It, it, it is just your reasonable service to be alone with the Lord, to spend time with Him. But everything, you will either you will either serve the will of God or you will serve the will of man. But if you don't spend time with God and you don't get along with Him, you will serve the will of man. And men are much worse than Jesus. Just take my word for it. You will serve someone. Something already is your master, whether you know it or not. It's up to you what you would like it to be. And I want to encourage you that obedience to the voice of God is everything, and it's all that is required and needed. And you'll never find yourself in positions as leaders in churches and ministries and jobs that you don't belong in if you'll start by having that relationship with God. Because out of that flows everything. Spending time alone with God, it's important. I mean, right, we, we're supposed to give 10% of our money. And, and, you know, they preach all that on television. I don't watch Christian television. but they, I listen to your pastor. But they do preach. They preach. You know, you're supposed to give. But what is 10% of your time? It's two hours a day. That's nothing. You get 24. And what's on top of that is there's somebody just as eager to meet you as you are to meet him. Amen. And without him, you can do nothing. And, and in Greek, it means nothing. And I hate to be mean, but Jesus will empower you to do everything. There's nothing impossible with God. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. All things are possible when you walk in faith and walk in belief and trust in Him. I was thinking all through the Bible. See, the enemy, what happens is our desires. Now I'm going to talk to you just a second about temptation. And a lot of you have felt yourself being tempted in strange ways. And, and I'm going to tell you first what the enemy does. You know what a shotgun is, right? You hunt birds with it, and it's a scattergun. You shoot it, and it has about anywhere from 12 to 100 little pellets, and they go everywhere. Well, here's what the enemy does. He shoots a shotgun blast of all types of influences and things at you and sees which one hits you and what you react to, and then he focuses on that. His, he's been doing the same things for, for thousands of years. And then he starts focusing on that thing. Well, see, what happens is that you, you have to guard the place of conception in your walk with God. In other words, the, your heart and the ground of your heart, the good ground, that till place, you have to guard it because as God sows into it, if you're intimate with Him, there will also be things the enemy will try to put in there. And what ends up happening is when it starts to grow and bear fruit, then we feel tempted and drawn away by desires that are not ours. 
but that because we didn't guard the secret place and we didn't guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issue of life, to watch what you allow in your heart. Because when it grows up, you're going to move towards what you desire, and all the desires come from the things you let be put in your heart. And temptation to sin, you know, it says to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Temptation to sin just simply comes from something else that we, an influence or something we've allowed in our heart. Then when it begins to bear fruit, it begins to, everybody ever see a magnet? I saw this when I was praying this morning. You know, magnets are attracted to metal. And see, sometimes the desires the enemy will try to force into your life or you watch things you shouldn't on television or listen to things you shouldn't on headphones or whatever influences he can bring into your life. He's interested in sowing something in your heart so that there'll be a division and you won't be able to serve God with all of your heart and your, your eyes won't be full of light as long as your heart's divided. Do you understand? He's trying to get stuff in there like that. But what happens is he knows what has hit you and he's focused on. And if we're not careful, when... When the time comes to run straight, he'll pull that magnet out, and all of a sudden we feel ourselves being drawn to things we shouldn't. We feel ourselves being drawn into habits from the past we shouldn't. And what it is, you need to guard the conception and the place of your heart because the place of your heart is the womb of your desires. The womb of your desires is your heart. That out of it flows everything. It's, that's why it's so important, one, to let God have your heart, and two, to let the Holy Spirit and let him rule in your heart and to protect your heart because whatever gets in your heart may not even affect you now, but a, a year from now it may. And you start feeling yourself drawn away. You're like, hey, you know, I don't even know, I don't even know why I'm thinking about this. I hadn't thought about killing somebody in 20 years. Well, maybe I've been watching too much violence on television. And so that desire, I've allowed an entryway in my heart. The best thing to do is once you get the enemy out of all influences in your life and your family, to shut every door and do not let him back in. Because the next time around, it's a whole lot worse. I made a commitment uh, about eight years ago, nine years ago, that if God would get all that mess straightened out of me from uh, you know my backslidden season, uh, and a lot of people fall away, but I, I chose to be offended at church people, and that was my fault. I, you have to choose to be offended, but I just want to encourage you with the fact that all of those things and all of the things you allow in your life, and you you're... In, the influences that you allow have a direct effect on how you run your race for God. And, and spending time alone with God, because if you don't have an entrance of truth in your life, you can be deceived by lie very easily. The Word of God needs to be a, a regular part of your life. You have a Bible. Everybody else in the world wishes they had a Bible, or a whole Bible. Most people do not. If you ever want to look at something, everybody Googles, right? Google have the percentage of people in the world that have a Bible. And it's you're like one of the small percentages of people. I've preached in places where pastors don't even own one. I've preached in places where they divide them up and they rotate different parts of it between the church congregation. If someone gets the gospel of Mark for a week, they bring it back and get Acts for a week. And they rotate one Bible between the whole church because there's only one Bible in that community. And you're blessed to have access to a Bible to the to something you can read, and without a plumb line, things get unleavened. If you don't, the, the Word of God's a plumb line. If you don't, my dad drove me crazy when I was growing up. My mom remember he pulled a string on everything. If he was, if he was, you remember, mom? If he was plowing a row, my dad died in January. But if he was plowing a row of vegetables, everybody's rows in the garden's crooked. My dad would would pop a string to be sure that it was not crooked because. 
He said, no matter how it looks when I get tired to look down at the road and watch the tiller, he said, I get distracted on rocks and different stuff. He said, but I know by that stream that I'm, on, I'm still straight. And you need the Word of God under a regular place in your life because the Word of God is, gives light to your mind and it renews your mind and it helps you to see what's not level. Because look, we all get distracted, right? The reason that Peter sunk was because he lost sight of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. God will call you to walk in the supernatural and in, in the impossible at some of the worst times that you think in your life. If you wait till everything's perfect to follow Jesus with all your heart, it's not happening. Because <laughs> there's people in this world making bad decisions and it affects everything. Just like your good decisions affects everything. But I told your pastor earlier, I would rather sink than sit. I'd rather sink trying to walk on water than sit in a boat with everybody else who's saying it can't be done. I'd rather walk on the water of Jesus because I know that if I sink, he's got me. But that boat's getting full of water. And sometimes God get that boat full of water so you get out of it. <laughs> you can drown in a boat. <laughs> oh, I'm speaking prophetically to some people. You, you, I, this, my notes were already taken by Pastor. I kept telling the ABC, Brian read the same scripture. I had no idea. I kept saying, Brian, that's my message. Brian, that, and he, got, he never bothered to tell me. It was my, I have a message, my message too. I want to encourage you. You know, if you read in the Bible the things that happens, and all of the things that happen in a life, including the, the ministry that takes place, should flow out of your alone time with God. The book of Acts had been. People spent time. The first man to ever, the first Gentile to ever hear the gospel was uh, Cornelius. And it said that he prayed always. It says, and always in Greek means always or regularly, that he prayed always, gave alms to the poor. And while he was praying, he says in his recount of it to Peter, while I was praying, I saw a man in a lit clothing that walked in and said, send to get Peter. He's at the house of, of Simon the Tanner, and he will tell you all you must do. If you want the gospel and you want the effects of a blessed life, you've got to give God a place to enter your life. And when God was looking for someone to use and to choose to bring, I mean, he was the first man, the first Gentile to ever hear the gospel. God found a man that was praying always. And he was a giver to the poor. And God said, I'm going to use that man first. Think about Paul. You know, Ananias, I think about Ananias. He was only mentioned there in the Bible one time. But it was one very important time. And it said that Ananias was a devout man and a disciple. He was a committed Christian. And he too was spoke to by God. Hey, go, go over the street straight to, to find Saul. Behold, he's praying and I, and I want to send you. Go ahead. He's fine. And I want to send you to go and pray for his eyes that he might receive sight. Here's one man who's never mentioned in the Word of God, but because he was able to hear God, and his one step of obedience changed the world. You'll never know your one step of obedience. I'm going to tell you something. Ananias never knew at that moment what was going to happen in the future. He knew God was telling him, and of course his rational mind tried to argue with God. He said, wait a minute now, God. I know this man's killed a lot of people. His natural mind was trying to speak to him and say, hey, obeying God's dangerous. <laughs> Obeying God can be risky. It can be dangerous. This man's going if I, God, if I do this, he's going to kill me. Isn't it amazing how God chooses people that struggle with their faith sometimes? 
I mean, this man, <laughs> oh man, if you only knew how preachers were. Hey, I'm a Christian too. I have to be Monday through Friday unless I'm preaching somewhere. I, I, I'm just an ordinary man. I have supernatural grace to do things like this, but I'm just a man. I'm nothing, nothing special. The only thing really that's special in my life is Christ. But I have learned that unless you give Christ that place in your life, and then you allow him a place to speak to you, you can never be obedient. And if you can never be obedient, you will never understand what it is to live a fulfilled, content life. One of the greatest things that brings contentment, and you ever felt like you were where you were supposed to be doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing? Or you, you, a lot of people are longing for a purpose, and they, don't, they really have never found what they were made to do. But if you just spend time with God and obey Him, all of that will come to you as you follow Jesus. And it's really that simple. It's just all these people that God used in the Bible, the Cornelius, Ananias, no matter how imperfect they were, they were just people that was available. Amen. And, you ha and, and, and people that prayed. Do what you do. Run your race with one person. That's Jesus. But you'll never do that if you don't spend time with him and get to know him. And you will run your race for a man or for a drug or for pornography. Something will be your master. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus takes a slave and makes him a free man. I stand before you today because that's true. That I am free indeed because Christ set me free. When you got up this morning, Pastor, to start to speak, the presence of God came into this room. I don't know if you discerned it or not, but I could feel it moving through this room. It's a pleasure to preach in a church like this. Really, it's easy for me. Now, I preach other places in here. <laughs> There's some places like a drug rehab that I preach for free. And I even pay to be able to preach. And there's some places that I go that ain't enough money in the world and they ain't got enough money to get me to preach there. <laughs> some, I'd rather be in a rehab for nothing than I would be preaching the gospel somewhere where people don't want to hear Christ. Because it's, it's hard to deliver something people don't want to eat. So just saying that, I'm blessed to be here. I, every time I get an invitation, man, you know, Brian, if at all possible, we try to come. And we love you. We believe in you. And more than anything, God believes in you. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. You're going to pursue the way that you walk will be based off of the desires of your heart. You move to whatever you desire and whatever you focus. You can The things that seem right to man don't mean they're right with God. That's why you've got to know what's right with God to know what's right for you. Does that make sense? And the easy way most of the time is not God. The easy way most of the time is not God. The hard way is God. The it's a narrow way and difficult, but it's filled with supernatural interventions of God. I would rather walk with Jesus than I would with anybody. He never, he never forsakes me, even when I think he does. Nobody ever gone through a season where you think God's not there, he's forgot me, he don't love me, he's left me. And then you, it sneaks up on you somewhere and he says, hey, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Or with me, he says, why do you doubt? <laughs> How is it, Jamie, that after 20 years you have no faith? He said, but Lord, you know the circumstances. Paul said, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish 
my course with joy. Paul had got to a place where he was so dead to his flesh that nothing had a hold on him. And his heart was so sold out to God and everything that was growing in that man's life was God. He had no other desire but to please Jesus, even if he meant losing his life. Precious. That's a precious. That's a real saint of God. A real minister of the gospel. Because our lives are not lined up by who preaches on TV or who preaches. My life is lined up because of the preacher, Jesus, and what the Bible says. That is what I am aiming for. Because men will always fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes they don't mean it, and God forgives them. Sometimes we have to forgive them, too. Sometimes people make mistakes. Pastors do stupid things. If, if they tell you they don't, they lie. They do. But sometimes we have to forgive them because God forgives them. They're no perfect ministers. I asked God one time, you know, I saw the ragtag bunch that I ministered with and all, and I thought, man, man, God, why do you use such messed up people like me? And he said, well, son, it's all to bed. And I realized that no matter how hard we try, that without Christ we're sick. Your heart is sick without God. And only those who need a physician will have one. And I'm going to tell you something, I need a physician. Every day in my life, I need Christ to make my heart whole. I need healing in my life. I need the presence of joy in my life. And I need the fullness of the Holy Ghost to walk out this path that God's told me. Because my natural mind is telling me, you go down there to that street and you talk to Saul, you're going to be dead. <laughs> and God is saying, go. He's someone I've called you to go reach. What if, what if Ben Nice would have said no? <laughs> it's easy to... It's easy to, 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 to think you would do something or that you would react a certain way in a situation like that until you're in a situation. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes I've been in situations where my life's been threatened for the gospel and, I, and <laughs> you know, and I've always been afraid I would do something that Jesus wouldn't do and it amazes me how supernaturally and tangibly in situations where I would react in violence to someone who's, you know, trying to hurt me or my family, I have found myself reacting in love and incapable of hurting you. And I know that only God will make that possible. Let me tell you a story. Y'all like testimony? Yeah? You like it? Y'all want to tell you anyway. When I, got, <laughs> when I was preparing this message and I was thinking, the, young, the Hispanic culture brings back so many memories. I, I love uh, the many mission trips, started churches in uh, different places in Central South America years back, but this brought this back in mind. I was working at the projects and preaching on the street 300 days out of the year and uh, for nothing and couldn't have been happier. <laughs> I didn't have all the things I thought I needed, but I had all I needed, and I had God. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes you have to lose everything to find out that you really didn't need anything but Jesus anyway. And all that stuff does is cloud your life and your heart. It's so important to stay consecrated and stay alone with God. I was praying one morning, and the Lord showed me a man in a vision I had never seen before. And showed me the man in the project. And when I say a vision, I saw, I just saw and heard at the same time. I don't know how to explain spiritual things all the time. It was like seeing and hearing at once. And I saw this man come praying in his house. And he was asking God, Lord, if you still love me and if you still use me, will you please forgive me and please help me? And then he said, Lord, I would like there to be a sign send someone or something as a sign that you still want to use me after I walked away from you. Because he had been filled with so much shame because he had walked away from God. And I saw the man ask God. 
And God said, now you go to the project, you go to this road, and when you walk up the street, the guy will come walking out of the building, and you tell him, I still want to use him, I love him, and I don't remember what happened anymore. And and I, I, I was captivated by what I saw. So when we went to the project that day, my wife was going to minister to some of the kids on the playground, just spend some time with the children. She loves children. And... I was walking up the sidewalk, and I kept feeling the Lord saying, this way, this way. And as I was walking by buildings, I was running out of buildings. Here come the man, walking right out of the apartment, right there in front of me. And I stopped. And it, isn't it amazing how when God does something, he tells us he's going to do, it still amazes us. But anyway, I was like, oh, my God, there's actually the man I saw. And I stopped it <laughs> like it shouldn't have been. But y'all never struggled with that. Anyway, I was, he come out, and I said, sir, I don't know who you are. I said, but can you understand English? And he said, yes, because I, I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but not much. And I said, I just saw you in a vision asking God for a sign that he still wants to use you and that he still loves you and that he still wants to be your friend and that he has forgotten everything you've asked him to forgive. And the man fell down on the ground and started crying. Right there in the dirt and in the nastiness of the projects, he was just, wait I mean, he was a mess. Couldn't do nothing with the guy. I sat there for 20 minutes while he cried. And he said, how did you know? I said, well, you prayed for a sign. I've just been obeying God. He said, there's no one knows that but God because no one else was in my apartment but me. And I told him how much God loved him. And that even though he had messed up, that, that he didn't have to live in shame anymore. Listen to this. He's, he was, after, after about 20 or 30 minutes, he said, Pastor, there's a man in this project, a young Hispanic man who can't speak English. But he said, I'll be more than glad to interpret your English to him if you'll go with me. I think that he wants to receive Christ. And I think he said, the man told me, he said, I've been living in so much shame, I didn't feel like I was even worthy to, to lead him to Jesus. Would you come with me? And I said, sure. So I went over three apartments down, and here's a Hispanic man, and his life's a wreck. His apartment's empty, which means he was on drugs, probably. And I mean, it, you know, drug addiction's bad, and... Anywhere there's addiction, there's always poverty. But he was wanting an answer. So I just shared a little bit of my testimony. With, while I was talking to the man, the Holy Spirit fell on him. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost and started laughing uncontrollably. The man said that. And then the guy that was interpreting for me, it happened to him. And now it's just, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, the message must be done because the interpreter, he can't do nothing. And the guy receiving can't do nothing. And about the time I was thinking through my mind, Lord, what would you have me do? It fell on me. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost and the joy of the Lord. And I, it was one of the greatest Holy Ghost parties I was ever a part of. It was just beautiful. Well, I, after all that was done, an hour went by. This man accepted Christ. I led him to Jesus. It was really easy. I, God had already been moving on him. So I left there. And the, the man who I originally had the vision from, he said, Pastor, he goes, I, there's a... There's a a young lady in the hospital that's a friend of mine's daughter, and she uh, is about to have a baby, and there's some complications. Uh, would you meet me tomorrow here, pick me up, and would you go and pray for her? And the Lord spoke to me instantly and said, go with him and doubt nothing. In other words, don't, don't try to figure it out, just go. So I said, I'll meet you tomorrow this time. Well, I came and picked the guy up, and we went to the hospital in Gainesville. This was in Gainesville. And I walked in the door, and here's a, here's a, a young girl laying there on the bed, and I can't, either one of them can speak English, but of course, here's the guy that can. So I started talking to them about Christ and asking, you know, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Do you know the power of God's love? And while I was talking to them, 
Same thing happened. The mama that was standing with her daughter by the bed, she fell on her knees and just started crying. Hey, she never got up the whole time I was there. I don't even, I don't even know when she got up. She stayed down there on her knees crying in the presence of God. Wow. Fell on the girl. And she starts crying. She accepts Christ. Nothing to it. She didn't even need to help her pray a prayer. She done for, I mean, she was done. And the Lord told me that the child would be burned over. They said it would have Down syndrome. And that it would be born prematurely. And, and just all this stuff that, that knowledge speaks. Do I believe that was true? Yes, I probably do. But I also know that God must have healed the girl. Because when the baby was born, it was perfectly normal. Amen. And, and I'm saying, if I hadn't... Everything that happened was because of God. But God is wanting to do things, and he's just looking for someone who will get along and say, okay, God, what you got planned? And then I want to pose this thought to you. If God speaks to you tomorrow and asks you, hey, go down to the minute market and sit there on the corner, and 20 minutes later, a woman's going to walk up wearing a red skirt and talk to her, or a brown, or there's a man going to come up, and he's going to be strung out on drugs, go and pray for him. Are you available? I mean, I was, but... And I wasn't on staff at no church. I was living by faith. Out and, and difficultly living by faith. But I wouldn't want to give up the freedom I had to minister to people just to have money. And I'm saying that oftentimes the desires that cause us to work jobs, nothing wrong with working. I believe in working. At, at pastors work as hard as anybody, or more so. I do believe in working. But at a point, you have to stop and let God bless what you've done. But if God asks you to go tomorrow, do you even have any time available? And how is our life set up? Because until we get to a place to where we're available to God and that we can be obedient no matter when he calls and what he asks, we will never really realize the full potential of what we were created to do. We will always live life working for somebody or being uh, under a man and not under God directly. You know, God didn't create you. You have a great pastor, but... You have access to the same Jesus that he does. And it would be a lot, it makes it pastoring easy when people depend on God and not on man. Because then there's no pressure on us to do what we cannot do. I honestly, I have I have absolutely no ability to help people. But now I know God is limitless. And he has a desire to love people into a friendship and into worship and into a relationship. And I'm just honored that I get to be asked. And I want to ask you, if God asks you tomorrow to go to so-and-so's house and just check on them, are you available? Or do you have to work? Well, okay, when you get off work, do you have any time? Because everybody, I mean, some people have to work. Dads need to work, provide for their family. But when you get off work, do you have time to do anything else? Or are you so busy with 50 other sports that you have no time? And then none of those things are wrong as long as they're not taking place of your obedience to God. God wants to move in this city in a huge way. There's a harvest field that's so great, but there's nobody wanting to work here. And I don't mean this church, I mean in the city. And there are people on payrolls at churches receiving salaries right here who do not want to get out and do anything but sit in an office. And want to get out and, and be a part of lost people's lives. Jesus, if you, if you want to find Jesus, he's always seeking and saving that which is lost. He's not changed. You just have to get, get a hold of what he has planned to do and then just follow him. And it'll all work out. I know it sounds crazy because we control so much of our lives in America and we think ourselves 10, 10 years in advance and we 
try to plan, plan, plan. But what I'm saying is, what does God have planned for your life? Because until you walk in His plan, you'll never feel like you're doing what you were made to do. And that can't be bought. There's no money. You could give me a million dollars and it would never give me the feeling that I feel when I'm on a mission field preaching to 100,000 people. There's just nothing. Or to when I'm on the street ministering to one person or when my wife prays for someone in the drive-thru line at Wendy's. Those type of things I'm available to do. It costs me to be available, but it's worth it because I get to do stuff with Jesus. And, and what I have found out, it's more important what, what God wants to do than what I want. The, all the prayer, I cooperate until I find out, Lord, what do you have planned today? And please tell me something, because I have absolutely no plan. I walked in this place without, I mean, I had that message, but after the first three minutes, I realized that was gone. And I thought, my word, you know, God is saying, and the shaking, only things that move when it gets shaken is things that will move. So let it all move, and let go of everything that's not supposed to be in your life. Thank you so much for listening to the Voice of Encouragement today. Have a wonderful week and make sure to tune in next week at 1030 Sunday morning. See you then.